Hello, beautiful soul, and welcome to the Break the Cycle podcast with Dr. Marielle, where we help you to understand how to shift from intergenerational trauma to intergenerational abundance. My name is Dr. Marielle Bouquet, and I'm your host. I'm a psychologist and an intergenerational trauma expert, and today's guest is Vienna Farron. Vienna is a marriage and family therapist. She is someone whose work I deeply value and who has a voice that is very inviting into the work that I think you will deeply appreciate, maybe in the ways that I do. Vienna is the author of a book called The Origins of You, and this book is one that helps with breaking family patterns and entering a space of liberation in the ways that you can live and love. Doesn't that sound amazing? So I'm going to be asking Vienna a couple questions about the context of her book because I would love her own perspective on why bring an origin story into healing work. And I think it's something that as cycle breakers, we would really appreciate. So without further ado, here's Vienna. Hi, Vienna. Hi, love. Hello. It's so good to have you. Finally. So good. I know. <laughs> finally. Yeah. It's been a long um, time. It has, it has. And I, I know we've had many moments throughout the recent years where we've had an opportunity to work together or connect in some way or another, um, be on similar platforms. But I am loving this very moment that we're in right now because I get to highlight your beautiful work mm -hmm. and and help individuals that would be listening to understand how your work can help them to break cycles that they are not hoping to translate into a new era of their lives mm -hmm. and into generations to come. So thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. And uh, I always like to start off with just offering guests an opportunity to just tell us a little bit about you and your work. Mm -hmm. Help us to dive into your world a bit. Sure. So yeah, like high level, I'm a marriage and family therapist. Um, so I work with individuals, couples, and families within the context of understanding the family systems they grew up in. Um, most of my work is really about understanding the origin stories, meaning the, the really important moments, moments, the first moments that really lay the foundation, that lay the track um, for, for our patterns to come. And when I talk about origin stories, it's unfortunately usually the the hard stuff, right? The the stuff that impacts us in ways that really challenge our belief of our worth, of our belongingness, of our prioritization to people and the world, to our trust and our safety. And yeah, unsurprisingly, this work, um, or at least my path into becoming a therapist, um, is much is is very tied and connected to my own personal story. My parents were separated when I was in first grade. They went through a nine year divorce process, which was the longest divorce process in the state of New Jersey at the time. And I'm an only child, and so I was this tiny little human, right, who was watching and observing uh, this experience while also having my own experience of it as well. And there was just 
a lot of conflict, a lot of chaos, a lot of psychological abuse, manipulation, gaslighting, paranoia, on and on and on. And um, yeah, it was, I didn't know it. I couldn't, I couldn't allow myself to be affected by it um, for a really long time. I, I joke because when I stepped into grad school, I was like, my parents' divorce didn't affect me. And people are I like, bless those supervisors and professors. They must have been like, oh, this sweet girl. <laughs> like, she's still not ready to you know, admit it or acknowledge it. Um, and yet I think for me, I, I came into this work, of course, to resolve that which was still unresolved in my life. And I really started to see how the role that I took on as a kid was a role that I was still maintaining as a woman. Decades later, um, I started to see how the things that I really wanted to reject as a child were things that I was embodying as an adult. You know, I started to really see how the stuff that happened in my family system and my family of origin had come along with me in some obvious ways, but also subtle ways that I was surprised by. And so, yeah, this, this was the fascination uh, into this work, sort of building upon, of course, fam family systems work that that's been around for a long time. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm very excited for this book to to come out into the world and for the work that I you know did with myself and the work that I do with my clients to maybe that it's gonna maybe it's gonna be something that is um, you know helpful for others. I'm a big believer that. There's no one model that fits all. I think there are as many ways to heal as there are humans on this planet. Mm -hmm. But um, with that said, I don't see a way that we do healing work without having some type of understanding of where we came from, mm -hmm. of what, what our family systems um, meant to us, what we experienced and observed there. So that's my like quick... Well, I don't know. Maybe that wasn't that quick, but my my quick intro to coming into this work. That's so informative, though, and I feel like really relatable. Mm -hmm. um, I'm super grateful to have had an opportunity to read your book already and also to be on the receiving end of your story. It's a story that feels like a story that I've heard many times over you know mm -hmm. elements of my own story I felt very related to yours elements of you know stories that I've heard throughout the years and I feel like a lot of people will be able to find themselves in the pages of your book because mm -hmm. it has that that way of bringing these aspects of what we have experienced as children to life in a way that is is indeed you know very um, healing as I see it. So mm -hmm. I'm really grateful for that. And I'd love to actually ask you a couple things that as I was reading, I was like, hmm, maybe this could be a moment where we can expand upon this for mm -hmm. listeners out there who are themselves cycle breakers and mm -hmm. are thinking, I want to know how to dive into aspects of where I come from and how that might contribute to who I am today. Mm -hmm. So my first question to you in reference to that is you mentioned origin healing work as a framework that you use in your work around uh, healing uh, wounds of the past. Can you 
tell us what origin healing work is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, the patterns in our adult lives, right? The unwanted patterns, the areas where we get stuck, the places where we can give advice to everyone else, but we can't take it. The, um, the conflict that we keep having with the people in our lives over and over and over again, the things we know better, but we can't make the shift, right? These are all indicators, right? That there's a, there, there's a wound present, right? There, that there's something from the past that needs our attention. And I always say like, it's really uncommon at this point in our lives as adults to have an entirely new, not experience in terms of the content of what's happening, right? But an unfamiliar feeling, experience, sensation, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Certainly our lives and and things can unfold and happen um, for the first time. But when there's activation, you know, when there's like that sensation in the body, right? It's like usually most of the time we've felt that before, right? We've, we've, we, we know it, right? It's familiar in some way. And so for me, it's about understanding the film, the familiarity, right? And really journeying back to, you know, the first time uh, I may have experienced something like this. Now for some folks, right? We can't go all the way back. Maybe we don't have the memory of something. It, that's not the way in which our, our system is going to be able to process it, but we can kind of back our way into it, right? When was the last time that I felt this sensation? When was the last time this this experience felt familiar to me? Um, for those of us who can go back into that space and do have a memory of something, right? Then we can work with that. Beautiful. And so for me, it's about understanding the first time, right? The origin of, right? The first time that um, in the book, I talk about five uh, origin wounds. And so I really focus in on worthiness, belonging, prioritization, safety, and trust. And so the first time I didn't feel good enough, the first time I didn't feel like I deserved X, Y, and Z, the first time I didn't feel important, the first time I didn't feel like I fit in or belonged, uh, the first time I felt ostracized, the first time I felt like an outsider, the first time I questioned um, trust, the first time I was betrayed, the first time I was lied to, right? the first time I didn't feel safe, and recognizing that when we skip over the work of witnessing our pain, grieving our pain, right? It comes along with us in obvious and subtle ways sometimes. And so this healing, this origin healing practice is is, is about going back into the origin wound, right? The first time that that wound kind of set its foundation down for us, the first time we experienced that betrayal, but because we're kids and we don't know how to heal that or navigate that, or we sort of just find a way to, you know, move on by and and push forward and tap into resilience and, you know, let it be something that shapes us and molds us. Um, oftentimes we wear that uh, sort of as the prize of like, oh yeah, our gifts that, that sit so closely to our wounds, right? Um, but it's the thing that oftentimes distracts us from naming our pain and actually witnessing what it is that needed to be witnessed way back when and giving over the grief, right? Whatever the, whatever the emotion is that's there, it's spending time with it because our wounds, as I say in the book, you know, they're not out to harm us. 
You know, they're, they're poking at us. They're tugging at our shirts because they want to be healed because the pain from the past wants to be resolved. And so when we find ourselves in patterns where, you know, we keep choosing the same types of partners or, um, and we can't understand why when these, when these types of partners lead us to not feeling good enough or never feeling like a priority in a person's life, right? It's like, it's directing us back to something that existed before this moment that wants our attention, right? That mm -hmm. wants to be seen and acknowledged by us. Oh my goodness. It's literally <laughs> like the foundation behind so many um, of the experiences that we've had in life that have led to disjointed relationships mm -hmm. tie right back into this kind of experience. Mm -hmm. um, an experience that, that, you know, started off in a very primary way and in, in, in our lives at such an early stage, right? Because I, from what I gathered, a lot of what you're referencing to as far as wounds happen at some of what we tend to call like critical points in our mm -hmm. childhood or in our life period, right? Like in, throughout the lifespan, we have these critical right. moments and a lot of them happen when we're still very young. Um, but why, why go all the way back there? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know. It's, and this is the part that can feel, yeah, a little scary and intimidating to people or they're like, I just want to come into therapy. I want to focus on the thing that's presenting right now. I don't want to open up that box. Um, and yeah, I want us to be so gentle in this exploration. This isn't an exploration of throwing parents or step parents or any of the adult figures in our lives under the bus. This isn't about looking for something until we find something. This is hard work because you know, it really challenges some of the narratives that we often hear, which are, you know, they did the best that they could. They have their own trauma, wounding pain too. There's context to the story. Sometimes we idealize um, a childhood or we're worried that if we sort of take a look that, uh-oh, what else is going to be there? So there's many constraints for why we might not want to look, but why should we? Well, because it's going to keep tugging. It's going to keep knocking. It's going to keep running the show if we don't find a healthy and appropriate way to begin to look at it. And, you know, that's, it's a, I always say like, you know, people find such a way to kind of distort the story or minimize, maximize, um, rationalize, intellectualize what happened. And we have to be able to go back in there because there is a path forward. You know, that's the beauty of it. You know this in your work too, right? It's like, there is a path forward. I have such an honor. We both have such an honor of walking alongside of so many humans, right? Who have taught us that there is a path forward, that that change can happen and that the pain from the past doesn't have to run the show. It doesn't have to be the thing that tells us about ourselves. It doesn't have to be the narrative that we hold so closely. And so when we begin to actually name the pain, right? Then we get to touch it. Then we get to work with it. I think sometimes it's so scary though, because it's like, well, but what do I do after that? And that's why I think, you know, the whole origin healing practice is 
such a good framework because it's like, okay, here's what we do with it. And I'm going to guide you and I'm going to guide you through it. And of course, for some folks, they're going to want to do that alongside their therapists. For some people, they might be able to do that in the comfort of their home and, you know, just be with themselves in the space. And for others, they might, you know, share a little bit of this journey with their partners or a trusted, you know, human in their lives. Mm -hmm. But if we I always say you can't avoid your way to healing and sometimes we want to brute force our way through or we're like, I, I'm okay. I've got this. Look, I'm functioning in the world. And you're like, you are, that's true. Right. But we can't avoid our way to, to healing. That doesn't mean that we don't bring discernment forward front and center of course we must we need to but we also must be able to look at and name and identify the pain that is still running the show because it is in really really big ways i was convinced that i was good that i was unaffected for a long time and i can share a couple of stories but um one of the first ones that comes into mind is that you know, as an adult, I remember kind of coming across this moment of like, ah, I have never broken up with someone. I have always been the person who has been broken up with. Mm -hmm. And with a bit of curiosity and introspection, and there's a, you know, a significant rupture in my life that kind of brought me to this. Um, you know, I realized that I had become a needless woman. Um, meaning I was a woman who was fine, unaffected, really kind of presented as the cool girl persona. And, and it's really hard to break up with people when you're faking that you're fine all the time, <laughs> you know, when you're presenting that way. And I remember when I traced it back because I had become a needless girl during that, you know, the shaking of the system, as I call it, right. My parents were crashing and burning around me um, throughout all of their chaos, conflict, parano paranoia, all of the things that I had mentioned before. I really believed that there wasn't room for me to, to not be okay. And so from a really early age, I started pretending like I was fine and I was unaffected by things because I thought that me being not fine would be too much for the system to handle. Mm -hmm. And I started to see how this role of peacekeeper, flying under the radar, little girl really came with me into my adult life. And I was like, wow, I am this fully formed adult who presents as totally fine, totally unaffected, right? Unbothered by anything, boundaryless, you know, out, <laughs> out of this world boundaryless. And, you know, people would always leave me. And there was a significant rupture in my life where it brought me to this realization of how my childhood role had traversed with me into my adult life and was yeah, taking up so much space and, you know, dictating quite a bit for me. And I needed to begin sort of, again, this origin healing process. Um, I have plenty more examples, but I know you have questions. So. Well, I mean, I'm just really fascinated by that moment when a person comes into contact with the fact that they actually have an origin story that mm -hmm is represented in relationships now. The reason why I'm very curious about that very moment is because I can only imagine as 
and even not just imagine, I have seen, and even for myself, when you break open that point of insight, it's almost like an existential moment of everything that I thought was is not. And you kind of, you know, just have to start making new meaning uh, out of life. So how is it that a person can help themselves to get through a moment like that? Especially because like, as you're saying, when we're high functioning people, Mm -hmm. despite the stories that we come with, Mm -hmm. we oftentimes have a lot of responsibility around us. Mm -hmm. So to break ourselves open like that is entirely too scary. So tell us your thoughts. Yeah, it can be. I mean, I think that there's, you know, so much value in creating, you know, the safe environment for you to begin to do that work. And so for some people we're like, no, I think I can, I think I can do this on my own. Beautiful. Right. But I think what you're saying is, you know, what's the environment, right? What are the circumstances in order to be able to, and you're entirely the right, this is an existential moment, right? It's, it's so, even when it's something that's quite simple, right? Like you might be able to look at it 10 years from now, or like when I look back on this, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's so obvious, you know? Um, But in that moment, right, it's this like deeply profound, oh my goodness, something just opened up and unlocked for me. And I think, you know, we have to have that safe environment, meaning whether it's with a therapist, whether it's having an incredible community of support around you, right? Like those are the things that I think are so vital in this space is that we have other people around us, people we trust, people we know who are going to be able to support and love and encourage us through through all of this and a willingness to be able to open ourselves up to be, while it requires a lot of grace for ourselves. I've mm-hmm. certainly seen people who you might even get angry or upset at yourself for not being able to notice this sooner, for example, or um, we might become upset or angry towards other people. Um, and so, right, when we begin to un- unlock some of this, right, like the vision yeah, the vision that I had of you is no longer the vision that I hold today. And then what does that mean? And I think I mentioned it a little bit earlier, right? Some of the constraints for why people sometimes don't want to do this work is I don't want to change the view that I hold of this person. And so, yeah, it's a beautiful question of kind of entering into this work, knowing that you might find things that are hard and what are the agreements that you might want to make with yourself, right? Like that I'm not going to reach out to someone immediately. I'm always going to journal or sit with whatever it is that surfaces and, and make sure that I have a space to process that before I bring something forward to someone else, um, like a family member or um, yeah, a partner or, or someone like that. But yeah, support, community, the the real self-care that actually aligns and works for you during this time. Um, but also just reminding yourself that as you enter into some of this work, yeah, the relationships could shift um, and the perspective um, that you hold of the person might change. A lot of what I'm hearing you say has 
to do with my next question to you, which (laughs) some of what I I felt relayed, which I resonate with too, in terms of like how I, I, I deeply believe this with you in how I see the work in that Mm -hmm. a person through the process of healing has to change the way that they relate to other people around them not changing mm-hmm. or not changing as quickly as they would wish or not acknowledging mm-hmm. that they may have caused pain, yeah. like all the things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, can you help us understand for anyone that is listening and they're like, you know, right, right in the middle of that, of like just sitting with the fact that things may never change mm-hmm. in the ways that they desire, what is it that someone should be thinking about in reference to that? We we outsource our healing when we do that, right? When we get, and I listen, I've been there before. I imagine you've been there before where we start entertaining the idea of like, if this happens, then I will feel acknowledged, worthy, prioritized, et cetera. And oh man, it's like, this is some of the hardest work that I've ever done is to, is to release that, to release trying to control that, to release believing that my healing resides in the hands of someone else in their behavior, in what they do or don't do or 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 are capable of. And to begin to, yeah, keep that within me, right? Which which is why I say, right? Like we can't change other people. What we can change is the way that we relate to them not changing, right? Which means that I have to grieve because what we do is we hold hope. If I say it this way, if I do it that way, maybe if I write it, maybe if I say it in this tone, maybe if I explain it that way, then that person, whether it's a parent or a partner or a child or whomever, right, is going to finally be able to validate my experience, acknowledge what it is that I've been trying to share with them. And what we when that happens beautiful right when the when the person who participated in the pain is able to acknowledge it it's an incredible thing right of course that's what we want but there's a point in time where part of our work is accepting that a person isn't going to change that in this chapter they are not changing and so i'm either going to be hijacked by that right? And I'm going to not be able to shift or move, or I'm going to realize that my healing is not person specific, that the acknowledgement and the witnessing is something that I can one, do for myself and two, have other relationships in my life also do alongside of me, right? The witnessing is not required by the original person. Um, A lot of times people will ask me like, well, what if the person who contributed to the pain is no longer here, deceased, you know, like, am I then in trouble? Like, will I never be able to heal? And it's like, no, we don't need those people to participate in this, but to release some of that means that we come into contact with our grief, right? Because we start to set down hope. We start to set down the bargaining. We start to set down the negotiations, right? And we start to actually live in what is true right now. Right. Mm-hmm. And when we do that, it kind of, of course, it brings us to 
our sadness, our disappointness, our disappointment, our grief, you know, our pain that why can't this person just do what I'm asking? You know, why can't this person just do what I need them to do? And yeah, I think there's a beautiful opportunity for yeah, healing when we step away from I don't need them to do that in order to be free. Wow. It's a hard one, but to get there, right? It's like grieve. I always say when in doubt, grieve more, you know, mm. like when stuck, wow. grieve more, when in doubt, grieve more. Right. And it's hard, right? Cause who likes to do that? <laughs> you know, It's like, this is not the most thrilling thing to do, yeah. but when we keep trying to get the same person who keeps showing us that they can't, that they won't, that they don't want to, that they don't know how to, we allow ourselves to stay in the loop of suffering. Right. And listen, if we need to be in there because there are more lessons for us, okay. Right. Like we stay on that wheel sometimes for a while. But I think to be able to to bring that awareness that ah, my healing, right, my peace, my ease is not in your hands. Right. It's in mine. And so then what does that require of me here so that I can begin to release that? Incredible. That was beautiful. I am like, I'm so enlightened. Hearing you speak about the work, right? Like um, in vivo, it just brings an aliveness even to the words that I've I've read. Um, It makes so much sense that outsourcing our pain would be something that would keep us frozen until that person is willing to make the change. And yet so many of us fall into that trap of doing that because we haven't learned or heard someone, a healer out loud say, you're outsourcing your pain. Yeah. The fact that that's, you know, explicitly said and a person can literally sit with those words, Mm. I think has so much power. So I'm just, I I love how beautifully you, you relayed that to us in that story and I, I am hoping that someone can like really mm-hmm. take that and just like hold on to it while they mm-hmm. go through their yeah. own journey. Thanks. I always ask our guests uh, for one last question, very apropos to this podcast, and it's in reference to how anyone that is listening, people listen to a concept that we cover and they're like, how do I, this feels enormous, right? But there's always one opportunity that they have in the very moment that they're sitting in where they can break a a cycle or start to break cycles in their lives. So what would you say to anyone uh, that beyond, of course, buying your amazing book uh, (laughs) that they could do in order to break the cycle? I would say notice like right in this moment, as you're listening to this podcast right now, take a moment to notice where in your life you're the most reactive. Just notice what's the last thing that made you reactive. Reactivity is going to point you towards something, 
Right. And so I think sometimes it's like, yeah, this is a big thing to bite off. You know, it's like, okay, oh my goodness, am I going to really do this? All of the heavy lifting. And it's like, okay, like we get to go at the pace that you want to go at, right? Like the fact that you're even listening to this conversation, the fact that you're here, right? Like you, of course you're a little bit open, right? So beautiful. You're here already. That's amazing. And so, okay. Yeah. If we want to just do something right now in this moment, right? Like just identify the last time you were reactive. And instead of us getting lost in the, oh, but this is what they did and da, 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 and like all of the, like the context of the, the story and the conflict or whatever it is, right? I'd love for you to just tune into the sensation. What about this is familiar, right? What does it bring up? Whatever it is that happened, whatever it is that unfolded, what did it bring up? right? You start to question whether you were important to this person. Did you start to question whether or not you, I don't know, were deserving of something good? Were you questioning whether or not you could trust somebody? Were you questioning whether or not you were emotionally safe? Right? Just like notice what it is that you might've been questioning or what fear or insecurity might've showed up in that space. So gentle, 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 Mm -hmm. but also like start to explore it, get a little curious there, hold it with gentleness and compassion. But again, right, whatever that answer is, right, it's going to start to point you to something that is still unresolved. When there's a charge, right, there's something that's unresolved. And so great. If you're ready to begin looking at the things that are unresolved, the irresolution in your life, yeah, I hope that you'll join me on this journey and, mm-hmm. you know, pick up this book and, and to begin to explore it. I think I do really, I really think the book does a beautiful job just like, t- you know, it, yes, it's, it's some work, but I think it does a beautiful job kind of going at a pace that we can go at. You get to close a book and put it down and journal if you need to and all the things. Um, but we take really good care throughout the book And I think you're going to find something that you probably don't know already. Mm -hmm. I couldn't agree more. And because I did even, um, Mm. there were many, many questions that I had for you, but I only have (laughs) so much time, um, you know, to be able to relay uh, or, or help you even relay, you know, your work. So I, I just want to thank you for taking the time to be able to take us through. And I'm hoping that, um, you know, people can feel motivated to dive more into your work, dive more into their own origin story, experience origin healing work and really get into the depths of who they are and who they've been and, and you know, try and channel a new way of being that can really break away mm-hmm. from those origin wounds and, um, I just, I'm so grateful that you took the time to take us through this work. And I thank you so, so much for being here. Thank you for having me. How incredible and kind of appropriate that we might be ending this season, starting at the origin. The origin story of wherever our pain started is incredibly important, as you heard Vienna proclaim, and it helps us to understand the multiple ways in which we can break cycles. I hope that this has been enlightening and nourishing and that you can feel compelled to learn more about your origin story and that you can hold your heart sacred as you transition from this episode 
and perhaps that you might even ground yourself with the sound bath meditation that you can find on my website, drmarielbouquet.com. It has been wonderful to engage in these conversations on your behalf this season. Thank you so much for listening and take good care of that beautiful soul of yours. Thank mm-hmm. you.